Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul, joined as always by my friend and colleague, Paul Tenorio. Paul, we've been recording a lot of podcast episodes, just not many Allocation Disorders. You know, normal schedule for that. Uh, But we do have an exciting announcement for everybody. We are publishing, dropping a narrative podcast series on the U.S. men's national team called From Kuva to Qatar, Remaking the USMNT. On November 1st, it is in the can. It is done. We've talked to a lot of people about it. We're both excited about it. Paul, tell tell the people a little bit about what they can expect. Well, what we hope that this podcast does, in my opinion, is I think tells the story of this team that's going to Qatar in just a few weeks. And, you know, in order to tell that story, we start from the very beginning, um, from kind of the history of the national team program. So that the people big bang. Who- who maybe aren't aren't aware <laughs> that this team was you know started before missing the World Cup in 2018 that there were there's an actual history before that, so giving a little bit about that, but then talking about the makeup of this roster, you know the impact of Christian Pulisic, the the way that the pathway has opened for these players, and to go through the journey that this team has gone through together, the games that they played that have played an important role that have that have meant something to who this team is, and then you know. I think a big discussion over the course of two episodes about what we should expect from this team and what other people expect of them um, and believe about them. And I think um, hopefully we paint a picture of, of this group that's going to be playing in the world cup. That's going to have a lot of eyes on them. You know, people who listen to this podcast who are diehard fans, but also sports fans who maybe just want to know about this team that they're going to watch for the first time in many, many years on November 21st. And, and so hopefully we have a good mix of kind of educating, but also, you know, diving deep into this team and providing some details and some, you know, first person experiences from guys like Tyler Adams and Walker Zimmerman and Wesson McKinney, um, you know, as well as insight from other players like Demarcus Beasley and Clint Dempsey, who, who know a thing or two about World Cups and about the national team. Um, we also spoke at length for the show with, with Greg Berhalter, um, who said some revealing things, Paul, that he hasn't said publicly before or elsewhere so that i think will be somewhat maybe not newsworthy but certainly interesting for for diehard usmnt fans or followers uh so excited about that but one of the things that i'm excited about for this show is kind of the blend of okay the story of the program the story of the team but also some of the structural factors at play with where these guys ended up and how christian pulisic helped break down doors and break down barriers for players in europe and accelerate that pathway and, and give americans a, a bigger platform and whether or not this is a golden generation and if that even means anything in the first place and if clint dempsey might fight you if you dare to suggest 
that the 2022 team is better than the, some of the teams that he played on back in the day. Um, I mean, that, Paul, just a quick aside on that regard. Like I was out in, at Brooklyn Bridge Park the other day for the CBS Sports. I don't know what they were calling it, but the, the broadcast that the FanFest broadcast that they were doing from New York City for their Champions League shows. And Clint Dempsey was there and a few of us got to talk to him. And like we were talking with him and Charlie Davies and Marisa do at the same time. And somebody asked a question, is this the best 2022 team? Is this the best team in U.S. history, this 2022 team? And I think he was the third player to answer. And you could like visibly see him like like boiling underneath the surface. He was like twitching. He was like ready to go. And and you'll hear the answer on the podcast. But he thinks that idea is disrespectful, to say the least. And 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 that's what I love about this podcast because, you know, I think you and I certainly and 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 others too who cover this team have tried to temper some expectations around this team or the belief of who they are or how good they are, or what they should be today. And I think typically we get a, a lot of pushback when we do that. Um, you know, as, as, as it's kind of the norm with, with our jobs and professions that like we are shills and we don't ask the hard questions and, you know, we don't understand how good these players are. And we are propagandists. You know, it is, right. Yes. Greg Berhalter is ruining these amazing players and, you know, whatever. And so what I think is interesting about this was like when you do just throw these questions out there to people like Dempsey and Beasley and others, you start to get a picture of kind of, um, you know, what people in that world think about the team as well. And, and, you know, Dempsey talks about it. Beasley talks about it. You know, everyone, Greg Berhalter talks about it. Everyone is peaking a little bit towards 2026 because this team should be, peaking in 2026 and and i think you know the nice prism there by the thank way thank you thank you yeah. I was um, muted, but I, I just wanted to I, yeah i wanted to register my my approval <laughs> the rare moments on this podcast where i turn a phrase correctly and that was one of them um you know i i just think that like it it provided some real perspective into kind of how how we should be talking about this team or how the experts think we should be talking about this team because of their youth and, and how that plays a role, why that plays a role, where it can be good for this team, where it'll be bad for this team. So, you know, I, I think it provides just a really well-rounded picture from, from those voices. Um, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And, you know, also from our voices too, which you guys get to hear on this show every week paul anything else you want to say about the podcast it's available november 1st like we said it's on the athletic soccer show feed available anywhere you download your podcasts your favorite platform but on the athletic soccer show feed it's five episodes they will all come out at the same time so you can binge this bad boy right away you can listen to us at 2x speed and we can sound like alvin and the chipmunks it'll be fun uh so yeah those those are kind of the particulars uh i'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it as we go and reference it as we build up to Qatar. Uh, but yeah, anything else you want to say, I was before, say Sam, before we move on? Do you, do you, did you have a favorite episode of the five? Ooh, I think the third. And the third is, is the one that really details the story of the team from when Berhalter took over to when they qualified in March. Um, so those, what, three plus years? Uh, there was just like a lot of new stuff in there, some really good stories. Tyler Adams gave some incredible interviews. Berhalter gave some incredible quotes. Um, Tyler Adams doesn't love playing right back minor spoiler <laughs> you'll hear about that in the show um, so yeah so I think that was my favorite what about you 
Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, look, it, it was us reliving the moments that we've covered over the last few years and that we've lived like it's been a very big part of our lives for the last few years. And so to kind of go back through our notes and our interviews and to go remember those moments with the people who were living them on the field that we were writing about and, and trying to gain a bit more insight into what was going on at halftime of some of those games or after some of those games, the conversations, I thought it was, a, yeah, that to me stood out as, as just cool, um, cool for, for, for us um, yeah. who, no, who already cool. spent a ton of time. Around it was cool team. to reminisce with some of the players, honestly, about like what certain environments were like and what they thought of it. So that was a cool part of it. And you'll hear all of it and more in the series. So please download it. Um, it would mean share a lot it. to us. Share it, review it, I guess. I don't know. Subscribe to the athletic soccer show. We literally never ask you guys to do any of these things. Just do this this one time for us. Cause we put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this thing. So, uh, would massively appreciate your support, your continued support, and we massively appreciate what you uh, what you give us already, Paul. Um, I do want to do some show though, and there is a lot to talk about. <laughs> let's let's do some show. Let's do some show. So we just put out a story about MLS and Apple TV and how that deal is coming together ahead of the start of it next year. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about potential changes, massive, massive changes coming to the MLS playoffs. Next year, possibly, um, there's some coaching news going on around the league. And oh, by the way, uh, the conference finals are this weekend, too. Um, so a ton to discuss. Let's start with the most immediate thing, the thing that's on the top of our minds, which is this story that we put out with Pablo Maurer about MLS and Apple TV and how this landmark groundbreaking new agreement between the league and the tech giant is coming together. Paul, what's, what are the main takeaways for the people? Well, I think, you know, I think the the sexiest part of the story is going to be the on-air talent stuff, right? Um, and so I, I think my big impression from that side of it is that, you know, they have more than done their job there. Um, the the process to, to find the on-air talent for the for these broadcasts uh, has been led by Kristen LaFamina, Brett, Kristen Brede's LaFamina. She's interviewed more than 200 people for the jobs. It's a um, lot of people. You know, it's a lot of people. So they're, they're looking for the right voices. No um, stone unturned. And, and they're going after big names. But I think from on the flip side of that, the stuff behind the scenes is, it feels a little bit different. It feels like there is a lot of work left to do and not that they're not pouring everything that they can into it, resources and, and, you know, people and time trying to get it all done, but that they just simply don't have enough time from the, from the people we spoke to who have extensive experience in, in broadcasting that, you know, there's just not a lot of time to do all the things they want to do by the beginning of the season. Not that it's going to be in a bad, bad shape or that we might even see it on the broadcast. There's always, you know, working in TV, there's always stuff going on behind the scenes that, you know, people watching the show have no idea. Um, Apple has done, a, a fictional TV show about just that idea. Right. But like, <laughs> I, I think it just shows that th this is a really, really, really ambitious project by Ma major league soccer. They're pouring, they're putting a lot of money and a lot of time into blowing this out. And I'm just very interested to see what it looks like in those early weeks when you're, you're trying yeah. to make your first impression. Yeah, no, it'll be huge uh, in those early weeks and, and it's going to be a bumpy ride to get there. And we talked about some of this, Paul when the deal was announced in June, it was only four months ago. It feels like a lifetime ago, but it was only four months ago, just kind of the short runway that they had to build this out. They're essentially, they're producing every single game 
which means that they're essentially building out a new network, MLS is, from scratch. They still don't have an executive producer. That's the person who's going to be in charge of all of this. They still don't have one of those hired. They have some producers hired, including one that, you know, has a lot of experience and is super well-respected, a guy named Oscar Sanchez, who's coming from CONCACAF. Um, but they don't have, you know, the leader yet. And that, like, that just kind of goes to show you, like, the, the difficult timeline that, that this is and, and how it's made more difficult by the fact that they don't have all of the pieces in place yet. And I'm not even talking about on-air talent. So that behind-the-scenes stuff is going to be massive. I think for fans, for people interested in buying this product, there's some interesting kind of wrinkles here. A lot of games are going to be available for free. 40% of games are going to be in front of the Apple TV paywall. So basically how this will work, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Apple TV, Apple TV, just think of it like a homepage on a website. Or something. And let me just say, before you get into these details, yeah. Dan, like this is the one of the biggest lifts that MLS is going to have. Yeah. Is for people to understand what Apple TV is and the fact that not every single MLS game is going to be behind a paywall. And we saw this, a similar lift happen when Aaron Judge was chasing the AL home run record. And that, I mean, I think it was like the mayor of New York or somebody came out and was like, <laughs> people should Eric have Adams. to pay. <laughs> Eric Adams or somebody else, maybe it was a senator, came out and said like, it is incredible that Yankees fans have to pay for a subscription service to see this game. And then had to issue another statement to be like, oh, we just learned that it's actually not behind a subscription service, but you have to have a device that has Apple TV. Well, almost you, any device you have you that has, have the, internet the internet has Apple TV. Yeah. You can go to a website and you can have Apple TV. And the game that Judge was playing in was available for free if you just typed in the Apple TV website or went to an app on your computer or on your smart TV or your phone or whatever. And that's what we're talking about with where these games are going to be for free. Like you can go to Apple TV, which like you said, is, is basically like a website. It's like a browser in a way of these different apps um, of which MLS will be one of them. And if you can get to this Apple TV homepage hub, 40% of MLS games next season, approximately 40% are going to be there more. for yeah, free. They're going to be there for free. And then if you pay a subscription to Apple TV plus, you will get some games behind that paywall. And beyond that, if you pay to subscribe to the MLS service, you will get every MLS game that is played next year. And that's significant in, in a lot of ways, right? Like it's not going to be that you have to pay for the MLS specific service to watch MLS, which I think is important for the league. But, you know, it's going to be important for people to understand that they can get these games at Apple TV. It's not well known enough yet for that to be yeah kind of and just there's gonna understood. have to be a big messaging lift in, in that regard to your point um so there's gonna be plenty of games available for free um basically what it shakes out to is you know there's 14 games in a match window so a saturday say there'll be 14 games that's 28 teams there'll be 29 in the league next year six of them would be available for free every week that's what the numbers shake out to. So that's a that's a pretty hefty percentage. I do wonder, Paul, <laughs> with that many games available for free, how many subscriptions they'll be able to sell. Um, but I think year one, the mission sort of seems to be, let's get people familiar with this product, familiar with getting going on Apple TV and watching MLS here. And then maybe we can sell in the future once it's, once it's a little bit more established. Yeah, I mean, look, 
when you work for a subscription service, I mean, you know, you've got to build an audience over time. Sometimes it's 50% off deals. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm not speaking from experience or anything, but it's like a dollar <laughs> off, a dollar per month. A massive Black right Friday now, promotion, perhaps. Friday promotions, yeah. whatever it takes to get people in the door. Coupon code <laughs> allocation disorder. Yeah, yeah whatever it. it might be, you know, there are ways to do it. I think that, you know, this will be an interesting part of it is that you're going to get the diehards, except for that the diehards are already taken care of. Because if you have many, a season ticket many. package, many of them, you will get access you get one, to the app. You'll one get a, free subscription per season ticket package. Right. So the people who want to tune in to watch their their team, they're they're going to be taken care of. So now it's reaching that type of fan that we talk about on this show all the time. The, the fan who, can you make them care enough that they want to tune in to, you know, whatever game is there and and so far mls hasn't been able to accomplish that and so i i'm intrigued and we didn't go as deep into this but we you know we obviously have this in the article that there is going to be a huge focus on content creation on creating you know feature stories and every team is going to have its own channel and they're going to try to create content that lives in this subscription service and i think that is going to play a crucial crucial role and you know, you've got to do something beyond just games that entices people to buy the subscription. And I, I think that, you know, in the first couple years is going to play a really, really big role in the, in the success of like I, how many people you start to pull in. Like, can you I, do a drive to survive? Yeah. Can you do something like that that like compels people to want to watch like an average sports fan to want to watch a soccer fan to want to watch? I, I wouldn't say characterize it as you need to buy, do things that compel people to buy subscriptions. You need to make more MLS fans. And if you make more MLS fans, then you'll get more people buying subscriptions. So a drive to survive, for instance, put that in front of the paywall. Right. Create more fans and then bring them in. And then they'll be like, oh, I, I want to watch this game. Let me let me buy this subscription package. So I think I think we're going to see stuff like that. And and this is like the the Apple's sort of a double edged sword isn't the right word. But like there are there are trade offs. Apple TV does not have a ton of subscribers. It doesn't have a ton of like mainstream understanding. We just talked about that. Um, and, you know, in terms of overall potential audience of American sports fans, those people are much more interested in flicking on ESPN to watch a game or much more used to doing that than flipping on Apple TV. And that's a hurdle that MLS is going to have to clear. And I think at the beginning of this project, it will mean lower viewership numbers than even the low viewership numbers we've seen for national TV games and local TV games in the past. Uh, but having said that, this is a long-term play. It's a 10-year deal. And by the end of this 10-year agreement, 2032 is the final year of the deal. Well, the way we consume and watch sports will probably be a lot different than it is right now. And and if that's the case, if people are more if, if people are more used to tuning into Apple TV and, and MLS fans, as we know, skew younger and more tech savvy than other leagues, then then maybe this is a product that can really grow. And the big takeaway for me, Paul, this was a gamble worth taking. ML, Lyle is shaking his head in agreement. But <laughs> um, MLS, you know, they didn't really have the offers from linear partners. They didn't have the money from linear partners for a new deal. Apple came in and sort of saved the day. In that regard, uh, it's still not a ton of money when you project it out over 10 years, especially with what rights fees might look like in 2030 or whatever. Uh, but it's a gamble worth taking because nothing else you've tried has worked. So why not partner with a, with a brand that is super innovative, super creative, super successful 
in Apple and one that has a lot of marketing power and reach and just knows how to do things well. Yeah, that's key to me is, is first of all, when we talk about viewership habits, you know, MLS likes to say, I think it's like 80% of their fans already consume soccer via streaming in some form. And we, all of us who are soccer fans understand what that is, right? We have Paramount Plus, we have ESPN Plus, we have Peacock, and some of us like me have all three of those streaming services and now are going to have to have another one. And, <laughs> you know, so there is already an understanding. This one's a tax right off though. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, finally, finally. I've I been needing to write more Champions League stories and more uh, EPL stories. <laughs> um, but I, 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 so I think there is going to be like a pretty good understanding for MLS fans. But again, this is about growing that fan base. And that's where I think Apple plays a really important role because they haven't, MLS, let's be honest, like they really haven't had active partners. I mean, ESPN has been a good partner for MLS in that it's been around since day one, you know, and they've stuck with them through, you know, thick and thin, whether the numbers have been what they are or, you know, they, they jump on that like 5% growth every year or whatever it is. And they've been there. And I, I don't think we should like discredit that. But when it comes to promotion, it just hasn't been able to justify it right like, like how do you justify promoting mls over the nfl you don't. Or NBA, and like to, to that point college Paul, football I, we were watching espn in my house before the austin versus dallas game on sunday night we flipped the channel to espn right like a few minutes before we were watching the sunday night pregame show or whatever for football and it's sports center it's three guys on the desk they're talking about whatever happened in the nfl earlier that day and eight o'clock hits and instead of you know teeing up hey we've got this exciting mls playoff game coming up in austin on espn the channel that you're currently watching it's we're moving to espn too. come stay move over with us we're talking more aaron Rodgers, and like then it's just like boom mls broadcast and my wife who works in tv <laughs> like just started like she kind of laughed like sadly and was like sam you see how they do you man like, did you see what the, what just happened? And I was like, what do you mean me? I don't work for MLS. But you get the point. And like the promotion hasn't been there. Apple, they have a lot of different channels. Apparently, they're going to be promoting things at like Best Buy and slapping MLS billboards up all over the place and places like yeah, that. It's going to pop up on your phone. It's going to be an mm -hmm. app that gets, that, that gets you know, it's going to it's going to be in front of your face, whether you want it or not. They're going to be selling this, right? Like, and, and, and Apple has come out and said it, right? We are in this together to try to grow the league so what that looks like matters it really yeah. matters yeah and so. and if apple is what they're saying they're going to be that's what mls is betting on too that that maybe it's yeah. not going to be mls which has kind of failed to grow the audience through its you know more traditional deals over the last decade in the way that they hoped that maybe apple is what pushes them into that next you know cycle of growth and and i think it's possible I, I think it'll take a little bit more time because like you said, I think the overall viewership habits are going to take longer to transition fully. But I, I do think that Apple has enough power globally to like truly, if they want to, to truly, you know, push MLS. And, yeah. and, and I mean, there are we'll, like three we'll companies in the world that, that can say that, right? It's like right. Apple, Amazon and Google. And like, that's yeah. it, you know? So if, if anyone could do it, it's them. Uh, it's a tall task though. And a lot of other things have to happen. Um, man, I'm trying to think we put so much in this story, man. Is there anything else we need? What else do we need to mention here? Um, all commentators, the plan is for them to have them on site at matches, which I think is a, is a really good thing. Um, the studio show will likely be, uh, based in New York city 
at the former studios that or at the studios that that used to house 106 in park um which is just kind of a fun funny fact um you know here's hoping andrew weeby is is the heir apparent to 106 in park i think that would be just <laughs> that would make me laugh every time i tune in um love you andrew uh and um yeah anything else we're missing no i mean i think i think a couple things expect to see a lot of apple on these broadcasts too it goes both ways right i think you're gonna you know they're gonna integrate apple into these broadcasts i think expect to see kind of innovation innovative approaches to things i I think mls is back was a a little bit of a test run in some of the things we saw there the digital (laughs) mls is back expect a lot of 9 a.m kickoffs guys i don't know about that but uh, a lot of digital signboards digital ads on field things um, you know, you'll see some integration that we saw, I'm sure, with the Apple MLB broadcast, maybe some, I think the thing that stood out from that, there were like some live gambling lines and things like that that popped up on screen. It, they're they're willing to try new things. And I think that's a good thing, ultimately. Yeah, it's going to rub some people the wrong way. Not all of it's going to work, but they're going to try new stuff. And to me, Paul, that's one of my favorite and sometimes least favorite things about MLS is that the league can be a laboratory for new things that are sort of unusual in the world of soccer or the world of sports. And I think we're going to see some of that in the broadcast. I, I love it for an area like broadcast. It's low stakes. It's not affecting the actual on-field product. Like, try some new stuff out. Absolutely. Have fun with it. See what sticks, see what doesn't. Um, maybe we'll make fun of you over the years like you know people do with Fox and the glowing hockey puck that they used in the 90s. Um, but maybe it'll change the way soccer is covered around the world who knows uh so i'm excited for that part of it um and yeah we'll see where it goes but it's a gamble worth taking even if it's going to be bumpy for the beginning yeah i mean i think the biggest gamble is the length of the deal but we'll we'll see how it all works out i i am interested somebody said something to us about this um today or yesterday in reporting and i'm gonna throw it out to our listeners they like challenged like who would you hire if you hire were hiring 12 english language Mm. broadcast teams and 12 spanish language broadcast teams you know, who would be the, the guys, the the people that you would hire and what teams would you put together? So I throw it to our listeners. Who would Tell you us. hire, Paul? Some I'm of, some of the you. teams that you would hire. I'd hire Paul Tenorio. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say like my my the first name that comes to mind is just kind of the, one of the first people I'd call to make sure I locked up is is our good friend, Brian Dunseth. I think he does a really, really good job on broadcast being both conversational and fun and also informative and i think he's shown in his stint with espn that he can pop on to games that aren't rsl games and do an equally good job so that's that's one of the names i would definitely hire but there are a lot of talented people around the league it, it's um, a, it's can a, i give a name can i give yeah, a yeah name? please who, who you gotta give two because i gave one and now i gotta make it harder what? for you what who is that about? <laughs> <laughs> first of all i already said your, your name so that's one um the second one is again we're biased this this guy's a good friend but uh michele giannone man he does it Look on out. univision every week in spanish very, very few people watch and consume the league as much as Michele does. He is super knowledgeable about it. He has strong opinions about it that he can Definitely. back with with experiences and actually watching the matches, which again, it's hard to keep track of this league. There are a ton of games to watch, and Michele does it as well as anybody. So I'd like to see him on it. And you know what? He can do a little bit of bilingual stuff too. I know he would probably feel a little bit uneasy maybe about doing English TV, but he could do it. Um, oh, for sure. And even so, just doing so interviews. Yeah, that's that's a must hire. Michele yeah. Giannone. Got to do it. For sure. We are we are not biased at all in allocation disorder. And I just want to make Hire that our point. friends. And also <laughs> Paul. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Um, Paul, should we take a break? Come back. Talk talk about playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah, I think now's a good time to. to was that just, a good Jim you know, Mora? I think that was, was, a, was actually a pretty good Jim Mora. All right, cool. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder, the world's foremost soccer TV media rights podcast. Also, Soccer Labor Law, foremost podcast. We haven't talked about that in quite some time. Hopefully, we won't talk about it again, ever. Soccer but. Epidemiologist podcast. Big, big, big on that for a while. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Do you remember that portion of our life? I prefer CBA, CBA negotiations C- and COVID. CBA slash CDC. The dream. Yeah, that was Man, it. That's I just, what we signed up for. I just remember being on whatever website for florida covid statistics that i believe later turned out was being horribly manipulated by the governor down there that's correct (laughs) i don't know i don't really want to go down that road i can't quite remember the story so i shouldn't i shouldn't do that but whatever here we are uh paul we uh as part of our reporting for this tv apple tv story we got our hands on a presentation that the league had sent out to clubs and part of that presentation tipped us off to a fun little detail. Uh, the league looks like they're going to be increasing the size of the playoffs significantly. Um, and by size, I mean the total number of games. Currently, there are 13 matches in the MLS postseason, you know, seven teams from each conference, all single elimination through to the final. That's going to uptick to 30, it looks like, next year. They're at least discussing that change. They're strongly considering it. And the format could change with it, potentially to a World Cup-style tournament. Four groups of four teams, top two from each advance, to an eight-team single elimination knockout round. That's one format being discussed. There are some other possibilities there. But, Paul, this is, um, on the one hand, a bombshell. On the other hand, par for the course. It's been three years. It's time to massively change the MLS playoffs. What do you think of this? Well, I have... I'm of two minds here. The first is I completely understand why MLS is trying to increase its playoff, like the number of playoff games it's offering on the app, right? Like they want people watch more games that have like stakes that, that have real stakes to them. And and so you, if you're trying to maximize your audience or provide more product that maximizes audience, you do it by expanding the playoffs. On the other side, I think it's been pretty universally well-regarded going to the single elimination because the games are more exciting and there is more on the line. It's probably not probably it's definitely unfair to the teams that do the best in the regular season. It de-emphasizes that um, one game can get you sent home, even if you're you know, markedly better than other teams. But you know what? That's playoffs. That's like that's what it's about. And that's why it's entertaining. And that's why it's fun. And and so and by I, the way, 
since they switched to a single elimination format, I think it's like 70% of the games have been won by the home teams. So it still matters, the regular yeah. season. And, and I mean, we talk about it all the time. The league loves parity. Like, there's no better way to build in parity than to have single elimination playoffs. Like, everyone has a chance to win that game and go on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think that there are issues that will come up with the final game of a group between teams that have already been eliminated or you know, the typical things that can happen in a World Cup that we've already seen, those are problems you'll have to solve or figure out tr- what incentives you can build in to try to keep the, the level of the game at a, at a good place. Maybe but, just don't play it. Yeah, well, one team has nothing <laughs> to play for and the other team does. Is that going to well, be... Well, then, then you have to play. But it, if both like, teams are out, maybe just don't play. It's the sim- you know, it's the it's like a similar dynamic to when we were talking about the two-leg, playoff, two-leg playoffs. And like, you're going to have games that are really slow and boring and teams are going to be playing for draws. Like, Every format is going to have some sort of downside. Um, but I get it. I get why they're doing it. I mean, I, I can't fault MLS for trying to figure out a way to deliver more playoff games to Apple. Yeah, so to Paul's point, if you have more playoff games, you have more people wanting to watch playoff games, they're stickier. The fans of a team are going to, I need to tune into this playoff game. If you have more of them, then you'll have more people watching Apple TV, more people getting used to the app, more people maybe paying for subscriptions at some point in time. So, yeah, that all makes sense. But what do you make of it from a sporting perspective? Like, I've seen a lot of people, and I'm sort of of this opinion. Actually, you know what? I'm going to just give my take, okay? Um, The regular season in MLS doesn't really feel like it matters right now. And that is a huge problem for this league the stakes just aren't high enough, particularly in the middle of the season. The beginning of the year is great. The end of the year is great. The playoffs are great because everybody's flying around and going for it super hard. But the bulk of the year, it just kind of slows down and it doesn't really feel like the results matter. I feel like MLS should be focusing on doing things to change that. This playoff structure doesn't really change it. Uh, it's going to be the same type of thing in terms of regular season stakes. But when I look at it, I'm like, well, what can you do to tweak your competition to make the regular season matter more while understanding that playoffs are given and they're going to remain. I would love to see them tie financial incentives to regular season standings. You get more allocation money. If you finish higher in the standings, you get a higher percentage of revenue share. If you finish higher in the standings, let's, let's incentivize teams to go for it. Maybe you could do something. They would never, ever do this, but I think, I think Charles Barkley has the idea of if you finish below 500 in the NBA, you're not allowed to raise ticket prices the following year. Like I would love something like that. That would be super cool. It would never happen, but like some, like something along those lines where you tie financials to performance would incentivize teams going for it and would incentivize the importance of the regular season without having to get rid of playoffs because as long as there are playoffs you're gonna have problems like this as long as there's a big playoff field you're gonna have more problems like this but i think even with those things there are ways around it and i would love to see mls focus a little bit more on those in the future yeah i mean it's a tough it's a tough thing to do when you have a longer regular season like the you know nfl with a shorter regular season every game matters i think we we see this with baseball obviously the longest regular season like how can you make people care about every single game nba same thing um i i mean i, I totally agree with you this and look mls is acknowledging the problem right they this would now be like a second 
extension. I'm not sure they are, man. In, in not acknowledging it by fixing or trying to fix the actual problem, but acknowledging it by creating a tournament during the season, League's Cup, that more people yeah. will want to watch, and now creating a tournament after the season that more people will want to watch. And, you know, like you said, like you'd like their attention to turn to actually trying to find ways to fix the actual regular season. Instead, well, they're creating more the games with that they MLS. think people care about. Always the thing with MLS, Paul. Never address the root of the problem. Never. It's always let's slap something new on. Some eye candy over here. Oh, look over there. New distracting thing. Do we need to worry about increasing audience to our TV? No, let's like not worry about that as much. Let's just do more expansion. And we're going to grow the league that way. Do we need to worry about raising the level of our product? No, let's just do something weird with a designated player rule. I the league doesn't address the root problem enough. And the root problem enough is, is the root problem to me is quality play. And uh, there's a lot of things that could be done to change that, but you know, that's sort of the whole point of the show. You guys have heard me a few times on those. And I, I did, did want to note, you know, because for us, it's kind of weird or for like, it, it's, you know, when we hear group stage, especially this year, you think, Oh, world cup, like this is a world cup format. But other leagues around the world do this. Colombia does it. You know, th- these are these are formats that are have been used in in leagues beyond these shores. And so it's not like a completely novel idea by MLS. It can work. It has worked in other countries. And I think that's worth pointing out too. Um, but to your point, it doesn't fix the the problem with like making me tune in on a Saturday to watch. You know any random MLS game. I mean, I'm, I'm paid to do that, but like other people, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, what a rigging endorsement. Um, well, part of that will be Apple TV. We forgot to mention they're going to have the whip around show and all of that stuff out of the studio and national pregame, and national postgame shows, and all that, all that jazz, which should be pretty fun. And most of the games will be on Saturday nights, starting at 7:30 PM local time. It looks like so that'll make it a little bit easier to consume as well. Um, Paul, there's also some coaching news going around Major League Soccer these days. Ben Olsen looks like he's coming back to the Houston Dynamo. I have thoughts, but what are yours? Let's let's you, you have the floor, sir. I think that anyone who has worked around Ben Olsen. I don't want to say anyone. A lot of people who have worked around Ben Olsen like Ben Olsen. He is a genuine person. Um, honest, well forthright, yeah. and and I appreciate that about him. I also think it's worth acknowledging that, you know, he had some of the worst MLS teams. And, of all time? Yeah, of all time. And he also won occasionally with DC United. And, and I think we should also acknowledge... That is by that, that went from being the model franchise in MLS, DC United, to being, you know, maybe considered one of, if not the worst job yeah. in MLS. Both San, coaching San and, Jose would be in that mix, I think. Yeah, too. they're they're in the mix for it though, right? Mm-hmm. Like when people talk about, oh, would you leave your job now to go work for that franchise? Like if they had, you know, they do have an open GM role. Yeah. Um, you know, the answer is mostly no. Like, why would I go there? So I, I do I do think you have to think about his his um his track record in context there. But it doesn't get me excited for Houston. No, not even a little bit. It doesn't signal kind of the the sort of change that Houston was projecting when 
the new ownership came in, the new front office came in, Hector Herrera was signed. It just says more of the same, Paul. It, that's it says what more it of says. the same. That's what and it says. That, how is that anything less than incredibly disappointing? And I, again, I like, and like, I think you said this um, in like kind of private conversations, but like, you know, if you want Uh-oh. Ben Olsen's experience in MLS, like why not offer, you know, a, a, an assistant coaching role, bring him into the, to the club in a way that can help somebody kind of get used to the league and to be that voice. And maybe you, you go outside the league, you go into Mexico to find the next coach, but Ben's the guy who kind of anchors the, the, the knowledge of MLS and helps that person adapt. Yeah. I, I just think that like this, there are certain clubs in MLS who need to signal change, major changes. And Houston is one of those. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go international. Like you can look at New England as an example of this. Like New England was in desperate need of like a major shakeup. And bringing Bruce Arena from LA where he was living. And we didn't, lo- we didn't love that at the time, Paul. I think you yeah. wrote a whole article. There were some people in the league that called me and said he's, the game has passed him by. Not to be the coach, but to be the coach and technical director and GM. That, that he wasn't going to be able to adjust to the TAM era of roster building. But he certainly was shaking things up from what New England had been, right? Like his mm-hmm. personality was a complete shift from Mike Burns in the previous era. And, it, and, and of course, he was successful right away, and that helped to, to kind of generate some excitement. But, like, you don't have to go outside of the country to create a new vibe, a new aura or whatever. But, like, I think Ben Olsen falls into a bucket that, very much is not like new vibes, new aura, and like big changes. That's that's yeah. all. And and maybe he'll be a guy who gets you decent results. Like I have no mm-hmm. like he knows how to operate on lower budgets. You give him a little bit more money, you know, maybe we'll see more out of Ben Olsen teams and, and maybe they'll do better because he'll have, you know, a little bit more flexibility in the teams that they're building. And so like practic practically, maybe it works in kind of getting you to eighth place in the in the conference yeah, and getting, or can, getting you to the playoffs. That's, that's the argument for it is like he can come in and establish a better baseline, which I actually believe he could do. But like, shouldn't your ambitions be higher than that if you're this new ownership group that's spending five and a half million dollars a year on a guy like Hector Herrera, who was not good in his first season with with the club? And you're coming off you're hired a GM and Pat Onstad, who admittedly had a late start. And, and was put in a difficult position in that way, but hired a coach in Paulo Nagamura that he moved on from before even his first season in charge ended. And and you make that change, and then then you're moving from that to Ben Olsen, a guy whose career record in M- MLS is not good. It's not good. A guy whose DC teams did not play good soccer in any way, shape, or form. It was pragmatic, and sometimes it got him to the playoffs. It got him to the playoffs quite a bit, but they never really went far once they arrived in the postseason, And, and I'm just like, shouldn't we be trying something new at this stage? Aren't there other coaches out there? Kenny Bundy, the interim manager for Houston got, he went two, two and one down the stretch. Like I would like Dom shoot, man. I would be more excited if I was a dynamo fan, if they brought back Dom Kinnear, that's where I'm at with this hire. Yeah. Like, I mean, again, and, and I get why they're not doing that. But like that, like I just I don't. The Dom Kinnear thing confuses me. Like in all so many other soccer countries, like the oldest coaches who have won multiple title titles are the guys who kind of never leave and and keep getting hired. And like Dom Kinnear mm-hmm. is like just no. I get around. why Bonstad isn't doing that for Houston, right? Just from like you can't get the band back together completely, that sort of thing. I think it would have been smarter to hire him last year than what they ended up doing. 
Yeah. And, I mean, and, and so I don't know. This is a difficult spot for Pat Onset because he's already hired and fired a head coach. It, it, it feels safe, right? That's what it is. It feels it, safe. No, it doesn't and, feel and safe. It feels, it, does, it, feels, it feels like we're aiming to be a playoff team and we're okay with a coach who we think will get us to the playoffs and let us build from there. That's the bet here. I mean, right? okay. I guess we'll see. I, I, do you have a lot of faith in that? Do you have a lot of faith that he'll get them to the playoffs? I mean, I think there's a lot of questions that need to be answered beyond just the coach. Yes, I would agree with that. I would say with this roster, the 2022 Houston Dynamo, if Ben Olsen is coaching them, are they making the playoffs? I don't think so. You know, with this roster and Jose Mourinho coaching this team, are they making the playoffs? I don't know. I I prefer prefer not not to to say. say. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be in big trouble. Um, <laughs> oh my god speaking of uh, coaching changes Paul there's some news out of Montreal reported by Tom Bogert Wilfried Nancy apparently a target for the Columbus crew I guess we can go ahead and say we that I, yeah like that is the case Tom is a good reporter and his sources are correct um, Nancy of course coming off of a big season for Montreal finished with the second most points in the league behind LAFC and the Philadelphia Union Lost NYCFC in the conference semifinals, um, but really got a ton of mileage out of that team. Uh, they played good soccer. It was fun to watch. Um, and we'll see. Montreal has an option on his deal that was automatically triggered from what Tom said um, by them making the playoffs. So he is under contract up there, but one to watch in terms of how that's going to play out. Um, it, it just reinforces my belief that, like, sports <laughs> is a is such a volatile industry and Montreal is such a volatile club. Sure. And so much depends on who your owner is Mm -hmm. and what, and and how uh, volatile they are. If, if Nancy leaves, it would, they would be onto their ninth full-time head coach since 2012 when they entered MLS, which is the most of any MLS team in that span. So, yeah. And those coaches include Jesse Marsh, Mm-hmm. And a guy who just finished zero point one percent off the MLS Coach of the Year ballot in May. Who should have won Coach of should the have Year? Won coach of the well, year. it doesn't include him yet. He is still their coach. So yeah, but you know, yeah. If if it happens, then he would it would be the eighth departure. So um, it also includes a guy that was nicknamed the Swiss Volcano, Marco Schallibaum. May we never forget. Yeah. It also provided you know one of the great coaching gifs in MLS history of Frank Lopez's hip thrust towards the officials. During the <laughs> didn't didn't he wave a sweater over his head? He, he took did. it off, and, and I, I believe that there is now like I think there's a, a new there was a new hip thrust from Frank when he was the interim manager last year. So he, I, I I actually created wow. a side by side gif of wow. Uh, well, you know, I you didn't know your to... gif game was that strong, Paul. Yeah, it's not usually. I'm not. I'm not were, among the motivated, but I am among the 83 percent of MLS fans who who watch soccer via streaming. So I'm more technologically capable than people give me credit for. You're. You might. You could call yourself a digital native. I think. My man. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm a. I'm a professional podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. I, I feel like I had one more thing to say, but who cares? Stay with us, Paul. Let's actually talk about soccer games in the next segment. What do you say? We hate that on this show, but sure. Okay, stay with us. Allocation disorder. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Allocation Disorder. Paul, let's solve a mystery. This is a mystery that you created in your own head or via your Twitter replies. (laughs) Listen, anonymous accounts were saying that it may have happened, so I had to believe them. It was... Worthy of investigation, certainly. For those of you who don't know, and I can't imagine why you wouldn't, we are, of <laughs> course, referring to the uncertainty around who Chicho Arango made out with in the stands after he scored his goal in stoppage time to win uh, El Trafico in advance. I don't know. I felt pretty certain final. about it as it was happening. So but, I yeah. put something on Twitter that he ran into this, like, like this game is totally insane. This guy just scored and he ran into the stands and made out with someone who appeared to be his partner. And then like three people immediately responded with that's his mom. And I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) And so I was like, apparently it may have been his mom. I don't know what's going on. It's not his mom, but I was taken for quite the ride on Thursday night last week. It was his wife, which was a much more reasonable expectation of someone you'd run into the stands and make out with. Yeah. It was like, like there may have been some tongue in there. It would have been (laughs) super weird if it was his mom. (laughs) You know, very also, the maybe age difference was, uh, seemed very minimal. Yeah, it would have been. There were there were a lot of signs there to not believe those anonymous Twitter guys. But that's why we're on Twitter, you know, for, to be to be led down, you know, paths that we don't laugh. want to be led down. Just to laugh, basically. Just to laugh. It was the best of Twitter. We we were laughing. For sure. um, that, of course, was one of the games in the conference semifinal round of the Major League Soccer playoffs that happened. Last Thursday night, LAFC took out the LA Galaxy in a match that was absolutely crazy. At the end, Chicho Arango scoring in stoppage time to give LAFC the win over their rivals. Um, and then, you know, he went into the stands and gave somebody a big, big fat kiss. Um, earlier that evening, the Philadelphia Union outlasted FC Cincinnati in a game that was a, hmm, how can I be fair? It was a complete rock fight, uh, but it was fun. Is that, is that, is that okay? Characterization yeah, I mean, it, for you? Of course, it all de- depends on your definition of fun, but sure. I mean, it was entertaining. It was back and forth, fast paced. 
there were multiple like F-150s that slammed into each other on the field. It was crazy. I'm I, think we, I think we got a text from somebody who watched the game and said, it was just kind of like, what is my life watching this game? <laughs> I loved it. I'm all in on the playoffs, man. <laughs> I love the MLS playoffs. You do. You know, you do love the MLS. Every year, it really it does. It shines through how much you just like fully immerse yourself in these games as they're occurring. Because MLS the stakes playoffs, are high. They, and they are a little crazy. bit like MLS is back mixed with like late night MLS. Like weird stuff happens. And if you yes. are a true MLS fan, that's why you watch. Exactly. And then on Sunday night, we had two more or Sunday, we had two more conference semis. New York City FC went up to Montreal. Pretty resounding victory in the end, but Montreal very easily could have won that game if things just went a little bit differently in the first half. Uh, I think it was 3-1. There's a yeah, lot that's happening between, between that game and, and right now, so apologies if I forgot. And then Austin FC uh, dispatched Dallas relatively comfortably, I would say, at Q2 Stadium. Um, shout out to all four environments fan bases they were incredible all of them and it's really cool to see stuff like that uh in soccer in the u.s and canada so that was a lot of fun paul let's go quickly through the losers and put a pin on their season starting with well let's just go in order cincinnati they're you know i think a pretty remarkable turnaround this year well positioned to do things moving forward yeah a lot of credit to pat noonan chris albright no one expected them to get there that quickly to, to kind of get guys, I think, on Pat Noonan's part, get guys who had been underperforming to step up, Chris Albright's part to, to you know, better the depth um, and the overall structure of the roster in general. Um, so I think, you know, nothing but excitement if you're an FC Cincinnati fan about what they can do with a little mm-hmm. bit more time. Yeah, and maybe with another center back or two and maybe another midfielder to pair next to Nwobodo, who I think is a really solid player and a really good signing for them. This season, uh, moving on, Galaxy versus LAFC. The Galaxy really turned things around, in my opinion. Maybe not turned around, but got a lot better after they brought on Ricky Puj and Gaston Brugman. I met that signing with some skepticism, the Puj one at first, but he was great. Yeah. Um, he probably should have gotten a red card in this game for headbutting Michael Murillo pretty yeah. early on. <laughs> um, I, as a neutral observer, I was happy that he did not. Um, I like 11 on 11 better than 11 on 10. Uh Dejan Jovalich, an incredible goal. It felt like every single Galaxy game, that guy came on in the 75th minute and had a goal by the 77th. Uh, that was certainly the case this time. Um, what do you make of, of where they're positioned and how Greg Vanny kind of has that team moving at this point in time? Uh, I mean, I think you should feel optimistic about the way that the midseason signings went and how those players fit. Like to be fair to you, when 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 they signed Ricky Puj, like Brugman hadn't even played yet. I don't think he had he had also just been signed like a week or two before. I think he was still waiting for his visa. Maybe he had played one game. Mm-hmm. Like those pieces fit together pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like Puj is not good for them if you don't have. No, Brugman he doesn't play him. defense. Is what right. you're trying to say. Yeah. But they they fit well together, right? Like they, like it was clear and, that they knew that they went and found somebody who did that. Basically. Complementary pieces, you know. So I I, I feel be- I think that makes me feel better about process yes um if you're a galaxy fan and Jovalich is a you know that's my boy i i've loved him since before the season started very happy to see him <laughs> he's the future for goals he's the, the future, future of, the, of galaxy. the galaxy though that future might have to wait because he treat those coming back so yeah and then that um, the, for me that's the big question around the galaxy like not i don't think 
I don't think they were preparing before this season for Chicharito to be back. He's back because he scored a lot of goals. He was good. That's a good yeah. thing. Um, and so you just hope that that continues. And I think you hope, if you're the Galaxy, that you can find a way out from Kevin Cabral and Douglas Costa and maybe sign some new designated players and get some additional help in the back line, in my opinion. They could use another club that could use some, some additions at center back. Uh, moving on to the Sunday matches. Montreal, man. Everybody's second team, maybe? Uh, they're gone. But, man, New York City FC scored on their two shots of the first half. Montreal had two free headers saved by Sean Johnson in the first half. Pretty, very, very nice saves. They had another hit the post, and they had a goal callback for offsides. So just kind of the thin margin of the playoffs on full display there. Huge questions for them going into next season. They had a great year. We talked about Nancy already. Georgi Mihailovic will not be returning. Victor, he's going to Azed Alkmaar in Holland. Victor Wanyama, who had a great season for them in midfield, said he says he's not coming back. Alistair Johnston could potentially, he's expressed interest in going to Europe. Maybe he goes after going to the World Cup with Canada. Same with Kamal Miller. I am forgetting another player that's also leaving. It's a big one. Another one. Oh, who Kone, is, my man. Is, Ismail is about Kone. about to go, to Canada, go with Canada to the World Cup and has a lot of eyes on him. Probably, like, I think one of the leading, if not the leading candidates among all MLS players to be sold in January. Um, so that's five, potentially five starters and your head coach. And your head coach. I, I was going to say my thing would be that I would not expect Montreal to be back in this game next year. Uh, yeah, uh, not, yeah, me either. We'll see what they do with the offseason and, and how they replace some of those guys. Um, if they're able to hang on to Nancy, um, maybe they get back to that game next year. I certainly don't think they'll have the, the third most points in the league. That's for damn sure. Um, so a lot of questions for them this offseason. You wonder how they're going to be able to sustain. Uh, last match, Dallas is gone. Paul, neither of us took Dallas seriously as a threat. And I think they showed why. I, I picked them initially to win the game. And then when Austin oh. advanced, I rescinded that pick. Yeah. Um, You're ridiculous. <laughs> Um, All right. Well, I apologize for mischaracterizing you. You were an idiot by believing yes. them. <laughs> I, I believed in them until I didn't. Um, I still like. I still like. Kind of what FC Dallas did this season. I think that they have some okay pieces to build around. I continue to doubt that they will build around them the way I think they should, which is by spending money. A lot of money, um, but they have good they, players. They've said that they are going to do that. Yeah, Frank O'Hara so, still on the books through June, right? That's Six months buyout though, not too bad if they wanted to do that. Yeah, or you can keep him and just add somebody midseason. So um, I still have questions. <laughs> like I watched that game, and I was getting bad flashbacks to the U.S. Japan game in regards to Jesus Ferreira's performance and how it affected team shape and all that stuff, dropping so deep, unable to get involved in midfields, not providing a threat over the top or a body that could serve as a target and outlet. Um, so that wasn't great, but I do like, to your point, a lot of the things that Nico Estevez did in his first year, finishing third in the West is something to be proud of. Um, and I think they can build on it. Good young core, a lot of good players there. Some decent depth as well through their academy. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, let's look ahead now, Paul, to the conference finals. We have Philadelphia and New York City FC in a rematch of the 2021 conference final, which New York City C New York City C 
New York City FC one at Philly, who were I think down two to three hundred players from COVID. Um, that's kind of a grudge match. That's the late match, and then the early match is LAFC and Austin at Bank of California Stadium. Last time these two teams played, Austin beat the hell out of LAFC four to one. That one was in Texas though, um, so slightly different conditions for this game. Any any big thoughts? on on these matches well i think the first one is going to be fun i think it's going to be attacking oriented i think um you know i hope i think you see lafc playing in the comfort of home against a team that just likes to attack um i I also want to shout out the blue collar workers um I think most oh, people listening no. to this podcast will get that reference. But explain it to those that aren't <laughs> are not on Twitter. Well, local TV station in Philadelphia was doing man on the street interviews after the Phillies uh, booked their trip to the to the World Series, and you know these Philly fans were rattling off, you know, the Phillies going and the Eagles are good, and the the broadcaster said, and the Union too, and the person said, Union, you mean like blue collar workers? <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it's just one I of those I think the moments. team should embrace that, honestly. I'm, I mean, I, I don't disagree, especially in light of the fact that they're up against City Football Group. Yeah. They are up against the, the rich man, the white-collar team. The blue-collar workers versus the blue bloods. That's right. That's wow. right. So you we really just got to lean into it. For the union. Excuse me, blue-collar workers, FC. Um, yeah, man. <sighs> God, you threw me off. I forgot what I was. It was just say very MLS thing. Those are my two like things. I think. I, I, I think. I mean, if we're gonna do predictions, I'll throw it real quick. I think LAFC wins. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think, and I think oh, I, we said it a couple weeks ago when when NYCFC had their first, excuse me, their first performance in the playoffs. That if they start playing this this kind of soccer, that they are the team to beat, and they're playing that soccer. So I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick NYCFC to beat the blue wow. collar workers. No respect. For the blue collar workers, just well, you call me you call me bougie all the time. (laughs) You call me bougie all the time, so it fits that I would just poo poo the blue collar workers. Yeah, just you pooped on them. That's right. (laughs) Um, What's your takeaway? Let's start. Let me get your thoughts on the two o'clock game first. Yeah, so Austin and LAFC. Um, Austin have had a really good season. Uh, I think that really good season has been driven mainly by two people. Sebastian Drusi, of course, absolute star, a huge difference maker in attack, and Brad Stuver, who we've seen in these playoffs come up huge in both of their matches. Uh, RSL, the shootout, incredible, uh, and then making a big save against Dallas to, to keep his team ahead as well. I don't think the rest of their team is at the level of LAFC. I don't think they're particularly close, in fact, despite that 4-1 to win that they had earlier this season. Uh, I think LAFC is better across the board. You look at the expected goal differential, Paul. Austin's was like, I think like something like 18th in MLS this year. It's negative four. Um, so that that presents to me some issues. Uh, I think LAFC playing at home um, with Buanga now firing and, and seemingly adjusted. Him, Vela, Chicharango up top. Gareth Bale, you don't need to dress, bro. Like, that's fine. Just keep on playing golf. Maybe just go to Qatar already. Um, they don't need you. Uh, midfield's good. Um, I do like Austin's midfield. I'm a big fan of Danny Pereira, by the way. Um, I really like what he brings. Um, but I think LAFC is just going to have a little bit too much, and they'll be buoyed by the home crowd, and I think this is the year for them. So pick an LAFC in that one. Uh, and then 
the Eastern Conference matchup, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go opposite of you. I think the blue collar workers are gonna get it. I think they're gonna ugly this game up. I think NYCFC they're playing really well right now. They've won five games in a row, outscored their opposition twelve to three in that span. So so they're hitting. Um, but I think Philly, this just feels like their moment. And and like great tactical analysis there, Sam. But Badoya is training fully again. I think that's huge for them that he's able to go in this match from an emotional standpoint. I think they know how to win games that are ugly, and I think they'll make this one ugly, and I think they'll they'll be able to, to take it to NYCFC. And Paul, that's my that was my predicted final at the start of the playoffs, LAFC versus Philadelphia. So I'm, I'm rocking with that. I think just the emotions of the moment are going to carry Philadelphia a long way in that match. They're going to be one of – they're out for revenge in that one, and I think they'll yeah. get it. They get the win. If they get the win, it'll be the longest single season home winning streak. It'll tie uh, the longest single season home winning streak in MLS history. Hmm. It would be 11, 11, 11 straight games, the Galaxy of 2011. And, and that ended with a conference final win over Real Salt Lake, that Galaxy. Um, yeah. Well, streak. it actually, so, they actually went on to win MLS Cup at home that year, too. I think it was a new. It was technically it was considered technically neutral, a neutral site, site but it was, it was site. at their home stadium. So, really. You need two more. Well, Philly wouldn't even be. They'd have to wait till next year. Are we going to call it an eleven? Well, no. If if Austin wins, they could play at home again. Well, that's true. Yeah. So don't write off Austin, Paul. Anthony Precourt's going to print this podcast out and laminate it. I hope so. Allocation disorder brought to you by Laminators Inc. Thanks for listening.